Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes. On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Shahid and DJ Supreme. They have not one, but two current singles out. The first is Skates and Crates. The second is Life as a Farmer. We're going to talk about both of those, and I hope really what's going on in the Birmingham hip-hop scene. So welcome to the show. Peace. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hey, you bet. So before we get in deep, uh, I want to know about this organization you guys have. It's called KRU Knowledge, Rhythm, and Understanding. Yes. Knowledge, Rhythm, and Understanding is our nonprofit 501c3 where we it's an educational hip-hop initiative that dj supreme and i and also kill the mc from the legendary group jurassic five uh we run and operate and basically what we do is we teach the youth and some adults the four elements of hip-hop we teach them how to mc with public speaking we teach them dj supreme teaches them how to make beats and how to scratch and dj and then we have a b-boy who comes in and teaches the kids how to break dance and we also have a graffiti artist that comes in and shows the kids how to tag so it's it's that's pretty much what we do weekly and bi-weekly in the birmingham area well they must be thrilled to have that how do the parents respond to you guys providing this for their kids wow uh the parents are just floored with how uh engaged the kids are and like shaheed said we actually also uh have adults participate as well and uh but as far as the parents we we've had parents come to us and say hey you've helped our kid with their speech impediment we've you've helped our kid uh to uh uh, with their their public speaking uh you've helped them to outgrow uh you know uh, uh fear of public speaking things of that nature so uh the parents are are thrilled uh to know that hip hop it, it, it's it's something that they can apply to their edu- whether they decide to become a practitioner or not but they they can apply some of the principles that we instruct into their daily lives and their daily routines i like that and it seems like for an artist nowadays, you have to be more than just your music. You know, you have to stand for something. It seems like this sets you apart, that you want to be very much part of your community, you know, close to home. Yeah, I think that we owe, it's our obligation to do this, it's, you know, because number one, where you come up at and where you make your start it's very important to give back to that to the to that area to a generation uh that comes after you it's like it's like you're paying it forward to the next generation because if you don't have something there for them how is this art form going to be preserved where you are how how are you going to continue with most artists they go through a selfish thing where it's just all about them it's all about them it's all about them and the thing is, is that, yeah, it, you know, if you want to be that way, you can be a selfish person or a selfish artist. However, you get more rewards for being selfless. And this is our selfless form of giving back. It's like the next generation needs something to look to, to look, to look forward to, to learn from. So they'll always remember it and it, hopefully it'll inspire them to do better than what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking on your car, KRU website. Do, do, do you say KRU or just crew? You just say both because it's, it's some people say crew and, and, and that's the acronym. And, and then it's short for, you know, knowledge, rhythm, understanding, crew. So either one. Okay. So I was on the website and I was seeing you had a class, Hip Hop 101, which sounds really fun, but also made me think, is hip hop that old now that it's like a history class? Very much so. Um, hip hop, um, as a culture, has uh, so many facets. Uh, like like Shahid said, we uh, instruct on the basic four elements of hip hop, which are the DJ, the b boy, the MC, 
and the graffiti artists, but also there are uh, four principles uh, that go along with that, that, that hip hop instills. And that is uh, peace, unity, love, and having fun. And uh, these are principles that go back to, uh, like we were saying about the, the, the old days of hip hop, you know, where it was all about peace, uh, you know, being peaceful thing, you know, things not being, you know, disruptive uh, about uh, unity, which uh, of course uh, goes without saying, everyone's in unison working on towards one goal and on, on one accord. Uh, love, which we, we encourage people to do, love what they do and do what they love and to do whatever it is that they partake in, do it out of love and do it in love as well. Uh, and then having fun, well, of course that's self-explanatory. Uh, having fun, we, we encourage people to have fun uh, with this, you know, because it's, it's a fun out, uh, art form. Uh, and so, yeah, hip hop, it, it, you know, it, it has a history, it has, uh, it, it's, it's a culture, it is definitely some one of those things that uh, kids can can learn the history of and 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 you know just so they can know and and know the background of it and uh, you know know where they want to where they want to take uh, the culture as well. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and I think for a lot of people, you know, my first awareness was back in the the sugar hill gang days rappers delight grandmaster flash uh, and i just want to you know from your point of view you know when when do you think it really hit you know how far back do you like to go in that history i mean what you said i mean that's a great start i mean we teach we teach it both ways really we teach that some most of these elements of hip-hop a lot of it is out of if you go back to the beginning of the civilization and you go back to the motherland, you have African drums, rhythms, uh, in early Kemet, you have graffiti and looks like hieroglyphs. Um, you know, so you can take it from that level, but if you want to go from the American art form, yeah, you have the Sugar Hill game, you have the message uh by Melly Mel, and you have the you know, you can go run DMC. Uh, I think that era. That is what Curtis Blow. That is what inspired. Mm -hmm. What was to come after that? Because if you look at those songs, especially with a couple of those artists like, like you named, what happens is that they were about having fun. They were about unity. And they had a message in the music. Now, because a lot of hip, uh, hip hop and, and rap, some people you know say rap. It has been culturally appropriated, misappropriated. And when that happens, is this is how you get a diluted version of what it really is. Now it becomes more about money. So people will just say anything and do anything, you know, just for just for the money. And I think that the initial reason that this was started and done is missing. So that's what we want to bring back to. Excellent. And how come, you know, from back in the day, we don't give enough love to the sequence? Ha, ah, sequence. Uh, what, what, the first female rap group on Sugar Hill Records. Uh, of course, we always pay homage uh, and, and, and give enough respect to all of the pioneers. And uh, the sequence definitely should not ever, ever be uh, excluded. Uh, just like uh, the Funky Four Plus One, uh, which uh, also also boasts one of the first female uh, hip hop artists uh, uh, in in the entire industry, um, uh, which is Shaw Rock. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so these are the the people that we we bring to the forefront. Um, I think that uh, a lot of times we get mixed up uh, in the ageism of you know i think hip-hop really is is the only uh genre of music where you know there's a, a conflict between old and young uh no other no other genre of music uh 
you know, participates in this. Um, you know, most other genres, they 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 pay tribute and they speak respectfully about their uh uh, they're, they're, they're pioneers. Um, and so that's one thing that we, as a part of KRU, look to instill uh, is that respect, is that recognition that, hey, there are pioneers in this culture that deserve our respect. And um, very much so. And there's so much I think people just assume because you hear so much on pop radio now that it was always easy for right. artists to get on the radio, but it was not easy at first. Absolutely not. Um, I, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm a radio professional myself. I've been in the radio business uh, for 25 years, and so I know firsthand uh, the struggles that rap has had to endure with with getting I, I mean as as a participant in the culture and being on the other side as a radio personality uh i've seen you know firsthand you know what hip-hop has, has had to go through historically to be accepted on the radio now you know it's pretty much an industry that people recognize and you know, back but back in the days, it was just thought of as a fad, um, and uh, you know, it, it it was really really tough. It was really really tough in the beginning. It it was, and I'm sure you both remember the mixtape days. You know, just to get your cassette into somebody's hands at a radio station at a club. Yes, yes, that that is that has always been a been a, a constant struggle because. Uh, especially in these days and times, uh, people, uh, uh, MCs or rappers or, or artists, uh, had felt they had to format their song to a particular format, you know, as far as getting uh, a, a considerable amount of radio play. Uh, they would have to, you know, you had artists that would actually craft their albums, craft their projects around such they, they would they would oh well okay this is my uh this would be my radio song okay now this would be my love song for the ladies okay this would be my you know and and so on and so forth you know so it, it's it, it was those types of things and uh it, it, it a lot of a lot of times it had to do with the with the higher ups with the uh the, the radio programmers um and uh you know restricting uh various types of hip-hop you had to you had to have a certain type of hip-hop uh to be on the radio exactly and you know the first breakthroughs you know like sugar hill gang and you mentioned curtis blow i, I think they do follow what you're talking about the fun part of this those were fun to dance to when you heard it in the club everyone yeah. would rush to the floor and i don't know do you think it sort of lost its way and maybe we've come back to it, but just that whole aspect of just really fun music to dance to. Yeah. I think, I think that it's become for some reason, I think when a lot of street music, hardcore street music came on the scene, they made it not fun to dance anymore. And hip hop is all has always been about, you know, the MC, the DJ and the B-boy being in unison. It's what it's what makes the show go. Uh, it's what makes the people want to move, and I think that people have become too cool for school. Um, unfortunately, where a lot of people just think it's corny to dance, and I get it. You may not want to dance, but b-boying. This is how again. This is how you preserve the art form. If you don't have breakers breaking, <laughs> and you don't have DJs up there scratching and spinning, what what are we what are we gonna have? You're not gonna exactly. have a culture. You're not gonna have it. Additionally, well, such a, oh yeah, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say. Additionally, you would have. I've I've actually heard conversations where you would have someone say, "Well, b-boy, that's you know uh, breaking. That's not even a, that's not a part of hip hop. That's not you know who who's who's even doing that anymore. Who's even doing well? That's that's the thing. The b-boy. 
I, I often like to call uh, the breakers the physical manifestation of the music. So it with without the the the, the breakers showing you, you know, some really really, you know, hype moves, you know, that that go along with the music. You 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 know, it it it, it paints a perfect picture of the music. You know, it 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 is again physical manifestation of the songs so it goes well, i think that, i think the whole thing of say you know guerrilla marketing taking it to the street yes. you know i just have this picture back in you know the early 80s you just bring a big piece of cardboard uh -huh. put it out on the street corner and whether or not people knew the music crowds would form because they're so fascinated wow something's going on here exactly do you kind of miss that? Do you just kind of wish you could just take a big refrigerator carton, you know, and <laughs> spread it out, invite some people, and just have a spontaneous street party? Well, that's a big part of our. Uh, that's actually a big part of our stage show. Uh, our our uh, breakdance instructor Cooney, he uh, is he performs with us, so we like to bring that essence uh when we are performing when we're doing a show uh you're going to get a show you're going to get the full experience you're going to get the dj you're going to get the mc and you're going to get the break dancing and you know so that we can it, it, it all ties in to representing the culture full on so that, that's that's something that we like to bring forth in our stage show Wow, that sounds great. And, you know, you guys were talking a little bit about, I think, appropriation. You know, it's kind of a love-hate thing because, you know, street fashion is so popular now, but it's also, you know, so monetized and, you know, high fashion. You know, what are your thoughts about, you know, on the one hand, it still promotes hip-hop culture, but on the other side, it is so monetized that, it doesn't resemble the grassroots creation. Well, I'd like to I like to view it like this. In the classic days, early days of hip hop, some of your some of our favorite MCs, they were street. They dressed a certain way. If you take Run DMC, if you look at the shift in hip hop, this is when the shift came when Run DMC changed the way uh, MCs and art uh, hip hop artists dressed. Right? They dressed street you had eric b and rakim who who were had street affiliates right but their music was not a reflection of that when you listen to their music you didn't feel threatening they weren't talking about hurting people they were actually you know affiliated with street people however the music didn't reflect that they it was all about skills it was all about the elements it was all about you know that type of MC and, and, and the DJ and in the art form. So I just think that, you know, yeah, you could be from the street. And, you know, a lot of MCs are, but I think it's what you glorify. They didn't glorify the negativity from the street. And I mm -hmm. think that's the difference. The difference is not glorifying it. And so what happens a lot of times is that a lot of these companies are paying young artists to glorify they want them to glorify the negativity of the street that's destructive mm -hmm. and that's the issue well it makes me also think you know back in this sort of do-it-yourself you know early 80s that you know you you guys teach people how to make beats now and do original production but early on especially when there wasn't digital production and it was very expensive to have access to say an instrumental you know of a song and, and build up your song from that and then you know sampling and all that coming in but back in the day just you know flipping over that 12 inch single and rapping to that instrumental track <laughs> yeah that's how it was and i think what happens again appropriation came from that you had artists using you know up and coming artists using someone else instrumental to you know and getting paid and, and and you know 
it's just it's it's like it's totally different. And also, hip hop has this original thing, this concept where it's called no biting allowed. You know, you can pay homage. Like when you sampling, you're paying homage to the artists and the people that came before you. Where you got sample from. But when you just take it, the instrumentals was there because the beat was slamming and you would love listening to the beat. Then you had people just take the beat and then try to bite and do the same thing. So it's a it's a thin line. Like, you know. Right, right. And I think like you said, it was homage. It wasn't, you know, copying. It was more like, wow, I love this song. And and it was more like you organically than would create freedom. Remember back in the day, all the, you know, another one bites the dust. How many people were inspired to create lyrics over that? Yes, 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 indeed. I mean, that was, again, that was, like you said, it was just something for us to, uh, you know, pay tribute to because of the fact that we love the song so much. Man, I I would love to have rapped over this song, you know, so it's got a break in it. Okay, cool. We're gonna cut that break up, and we're gonna rap over another one bites the dust because I've always wanted to hear what a rap would sound like over it. You know, that was that was our our, our frame of mind at the time. It wasn't anything that was done to capitalize on anything. It was just done out of love. Right, and then from the DJ point of view, the record labels catching up, saying, "Oh wow, people want an instrumental. They want a dub. They want a mm-hmm. scratch version," and then. You know, you suddenly had those tools when you were performing live. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You had to love it. I mean, do you miss the old, you know, two two turntables and vinyl setup? <laughs> no, I mean, well, I we still do that. We still have the the two turntables, uh, vinyl setup. You know, uh, I mean, we I mean, we have the uh, the MIDI controllers as well, but uh, there's nothing like the feel of that vinyl. So yeah, we definitely still stick to the script when it comes to turntables and a microphone. I like that. So I, one more thing on your hip hop 101 class, which we could talk about forever. Uh-huh. I love all, I love all these uh, different categories, but you've got one how to get on radio, which could be one of the most helpful things. How do you get on radio nowadays? Well, there I mean there are various ways now, and actually. When you think about it from a a now standpoint, radio comes to the artist now because the artists have found different ways to circumvent the system. And by by way of um, social media, by way of podcasting, by way of uh, YouTube, by way of, um, you know, running their views up, to the point where uh, these major companies and these uh, conglomerates, they take notice and they say, hey, well, this person is doing this, you know, these types of numbers. We need we need them to be on our team. So they they actually, the radio programmers actually go out and they seek these artists out. Um, it's, okay. it's not as hard to get on the radio as it once was, but again, Going back to my previous point, there's a certain format that they're looking for as well. So a lot of the artists nowadays, they adhere to that. And that's why you have so many artists that sound the same. They basically are, you know, putting out the same type of music, basically saying the same thing, sound, voice, the same you know, uh, a bunch of, you know, they're, they're all, you know, copying off each other, you know. So oh, sometimes like, only a handful of producers that yeah. dictate the sound. Exactly. So it's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, you know. Um, well, tell me this. Like, mm-hmm. to be on Spotify is great because it's international. You can have a big audience. You know, streaming is great. But isn't part of the value of local... Like in Birmingham, do you still have a local hip-hop station that will play unsigned local artists? Uh, That is a yes-no question. Because, yes, there are still local shows 
Um, they're ac actually still live and local shows, but the you have to look at the parent company. You have to look at the main uh, the main conglomerate. Um, you know, they they're still the ones that are pulling the strings. So they'll still they'll still put restrictions uh, on you know the locals, uh, the the you know the local programming. So it's yeah. again, you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yeah, and that's too bad because don't you love when you hear a local act and you go, wow, you know, yeah. these these people should be signed, but at a certain point it doesn't matter if they're signed because right. you know with with modern technology. And it just seems like the local stations could create a unique outlet for these artists. They really could. They really could if they really was were to just focus on the local aspect and try not to, you know, adhere to uh, what corporate mandates. Um, you know, a, a, a playlist. Uh, that is formatted for every station in the country. Every every station in the country has to sound a certain way. Um, I've I've never been a fan of that. I always say that, hey, you know, my my rationale is, hey, well, what we listen to in Birmingham is different from what they listen to in Seattle. Okay, so why don't we, you know, really cater? Or, ha or have a show that caters, uh, you know, one, just one or two hours, just catered strictly to the local scene, you know? Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Well, tell me, uh, so these two new videos, the first skates and crates, you shot it at a skate shop. Was that local to Birmingham? And did you pull in a lot of locals for the video shoot? Absolutely. Um, that video, Skates and Crates, is exactly what you said it's a, it's a local initiative it was it was basically the direction was to shed light on the shop that's been here for a very long time over 25 years um space skate supply has existed and has existed in different locations and that was one of the things that i definitely wanted to do was to highlight them lyrically and in and visually in the song and then recently, uh, within the last six to eight months, Birmingham has finally got its own its first skate park. Oh and wow! That yeah, after a long time, uh, it finally happened. So it was basically um, paying homage to the skate shop, and then wanting to show visuals in the shop and showing visuals from the park. Nice. And how important is it to have a physical meeting ground for people, especially nowadays, post-COVID, people are so isolated, but to have a skate shop where you can see people in person and then just share stuff word of mouth? Yeah, it's very important. I mean, it's it's like they don't want you to skate in the street if they're not giving you a, a outlet to do it at is kind of wild. So uh, that is a scene in itself. I mean, just like any other, just like a hip hop scene, it's it's a scene. And so you have you have with skate cultures, it's it's very it's very identical to hip hop culture because you know it's independent, it's grassroots, uh, and then it can be you know misappropriated at times. But to have a mom and pop skate shop that grinds the way it does. Um, and it's a place where everyone can go shop in the city. And then they were doing lessons at one point. And now you have the park. It's just, a, it's a beautiful thing. It's long overdue. And I'm so happy that it's here. Nice. So maybe skates and crates will be kind of like, like your equivalent of Macklemore in the thrift shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something that, uh, can be very anthemic, uh, you know, for the whole skate and hip hop scene, because it all goes hand in hand. Skaters, uh, hip hoppers, uh, all goes hand in hand uh, as far as the, the culture is concerned. So 
that's definitely something we wanted to set up was uh, something, an anthem uh, for the culture. I like that. So for the new skate park, have you got some good uh, hip hop graffiti artists in there yet? Yes. Uh, but but you talking about on, on you know in the park, in the park itself. Although I don't know, is the city kind of looking down on that? Or are they encouraging yeah. some original artwork? Yeah, and, and and graffiti is looked especially in our city. Unfortunately, it's looked down now. There is artwork out there, like a mural, like a painting on like a wall that's separate. But no, like you can here, you just can't go tagging things, uh, even in the park, uh, because you know, city codes and zoning. And then graffiti is looked at, unfortunately, as street art. And a lot of people just don't, they're still not warm to it yet, unfortunately. Yeah, it's that real fine line, you know. You know, on the one hand, people don't like it, but then if you're Banksy, they love it. Exactly. Exactly. It's- that's that's what's so crazy about it. It's like, if you're Banksy, it's loved. If you... If you <laughs> and that's because... He took the time and got put in so much work that his art became and his name became famous. So they accepted because people wanted his artwork. But if you're just a local guy who just go tag something and, and no matter how great it looks, it's still that, oh, look at this. Look at this. These guys are messing up the property value and messing up the building. You know? Yeah. And yeah. It's, a, it's a fine, it's a fine line, you know, to be, you know, and then I think in the 80s when like people like Keith Haring became these mm-hmm. celebrated artists, it's kind of like the lottery. It's like, you know, they kind of were picking and choosing at the time, you know, who got to be the star artist and who kind of got left behind. Right. Well, hopefully there'll be some outlets there where, you know, that side can be expressed, you know, with the artists. But, hey, let's talk about life as a farmer which wow i've never seen a video like this you guys are out there tilling the soil and it looked like almost like a community pea patch what was that all about so birmingham also has another wonderful organization called jones valley farms teaching farms where they teach students and the youth how to grow food and that particular video was shot at a historic high school here in birmingham called woodland high Jones Valley Farm has a farm at the back of the high school and the students from the school every day they come in help uh, grow the food and they help you know prepare the land till the soil so we've worked with Jones Valley Farm on a couple of their initiatives and so uh, again these concepts of farming and and skating it's like hip-hop is meant and designed for it so me and Supreme out there in the farm, you know, doing the pro- the everyday process and operation of the farm, it shows the importance of, you know, growing your food, it's the importance of learning agriculture. It's a connection to the land. And we wanted to kind of make a song that fit that. Yeah, because the farming is a skill uh, that is uh, really something that it, it gets, it's lost really and uh it's it's not taught enough so uh we felt that uh, again another obligation of ours was to bring that skill to the forefront well i think that sets you apart because i don't think i've ever seen a hip-hop video showing young people how to farm uh, that's, that's that's pretty. I mean, that's I mean, pretty, we give it some thought. We're actually giving it some thought, and nah, not not really. <laughs> maybe maybe the first. Set on, maybe set out set on a farm. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a great question. That's a good. That's a good topic. Uh, yeah, like you, that, you might though. be right. <laughs> See, that's why the, the parents love you with all these programs you do for kids, because you're teaching them positive, helpful things. Yes. I think that, unfortunately, again, we talked about it earlier a little bit. I think that a lot of our kids and a lot of the youth today, they think it's corny to be positive. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's like, 
I get it because I came up in an era where, you know, bullying and nerd, the nerd culture was 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 popular where you bully the nerd because he's smart. But most nerds sometimes weren't considered cool. But now when I look back at it, it's probably it was it's, it's a big mistake because being being positive keeps you out of trouble. It keeps you from messing your future up. Farming is something you can do and it's a career that you can make. It's you can grow your own food. You can sell it uh, again. Being connected to the earth keeps you from going out doing crazy stuff. So. I just think that this glorified destructive culture is what makes people think that farming and being positive is not cool. Mm-hmm. And that's not cool. Well, it must tre- uh, teach appreciation. You know, we, we just call DoorDash and food magically arrives. But, you know, when you have to grow it, you go, wow, a lot goes into this. Yes. Yes. So what's the what's the best response you've gotten from parents who have seen the positive changes in their kids from being part of stuff you've taught them? Well, I can say this: we our program we have partnered with um, Jefferson County Courthouse Family Court, and there's some youth that were in trouble, and they took our program. And what we can definitely say from that, when they took our program and they came weekly, they came for six weeks, there was a shift and a change in the attitude. And I think at first they were a little skeptical about it, but around maybe the third week, they started getting into it. And you could see, you could see how the change happened because it was something they were getting used to. They were having fun when they came. It was organized. It was in a different setting a positive setting. Uh, we were on a stage. We had everything represented there for them, the elements there on stage. So I think that people understand how powerful these concepts are and what they can be to a, to a generation, but you also have to have them regularly participate in it. Like it has to be a part of everyday life and culture for them. Because not everyone who goes through your programs is going to become a professional hip hop artist, right. but even if they don't, what are they going to carry with them? Wow. Well, uh, you've got kids, like I said before, that uh, have overcome fears of public speaking, so they can they carry that with them, uh, along with many other many other facets of the uh, of the program. Um, uh, again, we, we've helped kids uh, to overcome speech impediments. We've helped them to uh, read more efficiently and, and effectively. Uh, counting bars when you're learning how to rap, when you're writing raps, uh, teaches counting uh, effectively. Um, just basic, basic skills. Um, we, we've been able to instill and instruct uh, with with participants of of the program, and they've been able to you know carry so many so many different things uh, along along with them for their daily lives. And how about just you know the love of learning itself? Maybe a kid who doesn't like going to school, but then they learn through you that education can be fun and you know productive. Does that make them maybe just better overall students? Yeah, well, that's that's something that Shahid teaches when they're learning to rap and when they're learning uh, to to uh, project um, and build confidence. It's 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 a confidence builder as well. And and Shahid in, instructs them to say per, uh, positive aff- uh, affirmations with the raps. That's the one thing. And, and Shahi can elaborate as far as the content. Uh, no cursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shahi, again, Shahi can elaborate. Yeah. Better. So basically, it's, it's to get them to understand that 
you can say and do these things without feeling corny. It's like when you're on stage and you and your voice is the only thing that you really have, right? People looking at you. Well, we I want to give you positive things to say daily. You have to t- like talking to yourself, using your intellect. That's basically what an MC does when he's writing or he's coming up with things to say. So this concept of it is coming up with positive things to say, like you feel good, you feel great. You know, you're putting that, it makes you feel good versus you just talking about something destructive. And again, if you keep talking about destructive things, it's going to follow you. you. You're projecting something that you, on your life that you really don't understand can come to you. So in our program, there's like Supreme says, it's no profanity. It's no talking about killing people. It's no sexism. It's, no, it's none of those things. It's just basically you telling your story in a positive way. And if you come from backgrounds like that, you could basically tell us what you would do differently to get out of it. Or what would you change about it? We'll have you talk about that. You'll have you'll write about that. But that's basically our premise is to get you to understand that, yo, you don't have to be negative. It, it's all about positivity. And sounds you can like be cool doing it. And cool doing it, yeah. And it sounds like you're reclaiming some of those roots of hip-hop when it was... Or maybe I'm just being nostalgic, but it seemed more positive and danceable and, you know, uplifting. Yes. Yes. The culture, like Supreme said earlier, it was built on peace, love, having fun and unity. And that is the premise of our class. Peace, love, having fun, unity. You're working together. You're not making fun of people when they mess up. You're encouraging them. You know, the topics are, are about community. That's why I said when people say, how can it like a lot of times they say, Oh man, I can't do it. You say, Yeah, you can. You can do it. And and skates and crates in life as a farmer is an example of us doing that, showing you that it can be done. Very much hey, so. Guys, I gotta I gotta break out. I'm actually at work, so I gotta break out. Um, but you guys can continue. Hey Kelly, thank you so much for having uh for us having this conversation. It's been a this has been a great conversation. Well, absolutely. And, and and is is this Shahid or DJ yes. Supreme? It's DJ Supreme. Okay, DJ Supreme, thank you so much. I'll wrap up with Shahid, but really appreciate um, all your perspective. Thank you so much. This conversation has been great, and it's it's been great uh, meeting you and uh, talking with you, and uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. All right. See you soon. All right. Thanks, DJ. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, Shahid. So as we wrap up, uh, I have a few more questions for you, but I'll, yes. I'll let you represent the group and uh, tell us where we can find you online and learn both about your music, but also about KRU. So you can find us on all media, social media outlets, Shahid, DJ Supreme, and knowledge rhythm and understanding and our website is www.kruhiphop.com that's where you can find us excellent well i was looking on your facebook and i saw that you just did an event at a place called frothy monkey yes (laughs) love the name by the way uh so what was that all about it was like for kids and their parents and Yes, it was. It was so that locate that that check that chain is originally out of Nashville, Tennessee. But the building that they're in, let me just show you how things work. We used to do all ages shows in that same building in another coffee shop 10 years ago, a decade ago. And basically, being able to come back there a decade later and do the same thing to do these workshops was, was, it was beautiful. It was a great thing because literally it's like full circle. So we had a open demo workshop for the community, families, kids. And that's another thing about our things like families can come out together. You have parents out there drawing and writing and you have people out there learning how to break dance. And then we had the beat machines out there showing the kids how to make beats. So it's like a family oriented event. I like that. It seems like we need more stuff like that. We do. 
We do. And the and the frothy monkey, uh, they must love having that, you know, the crowd coming in and helping support you guys. Yes, it was great, man. They uh, we they made lemonade, uh, fresh lemonade being made. Um, and the next time we do it, I think we're gonna have hot chocolate and stuff. Oh, that's it. That'd be good for the winter. Yes. <laughs> By the way, what are the winters like in Birmingham? The winter, this typically the winters are very cold. Uh, oh. Typically, but okay. It's been crazy down. It's been mixed. Like one minute it'll be seventy-five, eighty, and then the next day it'll be thirty. Oh <laughs> my goodness! But the thing is, is if you're cold, you see, when you break dance, you get warm right away. You do that. Move. <laughs> yes, you do. See, that's what I like about not just that you're encouraging that, but, you know, with the farming, getting kids out in the fresh air, you know, farming is exercise. It's very physical. It just seems like, you know, these kids are really lucky to be involved in these programs with you. Yes, yes. And we are, too. We're, we're very fortunate to have them and the ones that come and participate. We're fortunate because, we're, like I said, we were able to give back. We're able to teach and show some of our process and show them a process that if you stick to it, yes, it can work. So have you been doing this long enough that you've seen any of the kids who have gone to your classes who have actually started to record and maybe put out some notable songs? Uh, they're in the early stages uh, of that. Like, so this week, the end of this week, we have like a live show where some of our students will be sharing what they wrote in front of a live audience for the first time. When you're doing this, do you ever see one of the kids and think, wow, that kid's got it. I can really see them making it in this industry. Yes, yes. there's a lot of them who have, who have it naturally. And you just want to make sure you give them all the correct tools and so they can do it in a right way. Mm -hmm. and, they don't get, feel, and they don't get used either. Right. Because I, I was going to say, uh, you must feel really protective of them because not even talking about the music side, but the industry side, it's pretty cutthroat at times. It's very cutthroat. And that's the other part of this. We have to teach them what to look out for. And so I, that, all and, of that is in our program, too. I like that part. I mean, you, you must feel like a real mentor to these kids. Um, I mean, I guess you can call it that. I, I'm more, just to be honest, I'm more, you know, the mentor thing I kind of shy away from, but that's what it is. I, I, I just want to be able to, uh, again, give back what was it there when we came up. Like we didn't have these resources, we didn't have these tools. So it's important that we present that to them so they can understand they do have, they have resources and outlets to go to. I like that. Well, I'm gonna give you the last word here. Mm -hmm. We've covered so much ground and just really love what you're doing, both with KRU, but you know, your personal music too. So I would just like to hear, even though you know, skates and crates and life as a farmer, you know, you're promoting that, but, you know, hand in hand, you're doing so much for your community. Um, I, I would just like you to tell other people who maybe just concentrate on their own thing, you know, what's the joy of also giving back to your community? When you help other people, the joy of giving back to the community is when you're helping other people you feel good. You might even feel better than you just helping yourself because you can see a direct impact on not just you. Uh, you see, you see how it affects other people, other people making other people feel good about themselves. And when you're going through down times, the fact you helping other people can make you feel better. So I think that's the other side, especially kids, making them have self-esteem. Um, you know, these type of things are very important. And again, it's showing them that there's another way. You don't have to fall into peer pressure. You don't have to do what everyone else does. You can do, 
your thing in a positive way, then you can make an impact. And so that's that's the that's what that's what I get from it, and that's what people should do. We should have more people giving back. And if there's a kid who's heard about hip hop 101 and wants to take your class, but they're a little nervous, they're on the fence, what would you tell them? Just come try it. Just come try it. It's something. It's something for everyone. So you may not be a public speaker. You might be a beat maker. You may not be a beat maker. You might just be an artist. You might just want to be into dancing and moving. It's something for everyone there. You know, so that's the thing. It's like it's not when you come to our workshops, it's something for everyone. Or you might like two or three things. Come learn them. Come get better at it and then go do your own thing. Excellent. Oh, and one other note. So are you going to be able to perform live coming up? You know, skates and crates, life as a farmer. Uh, do you have any gigs lined up? Yes, we're, we'll be doing the one I told you about this week, uh, showing, highlighting what the kids done uh, with this school that we partner with. Uh, we're having a program and we'll the kids will be doing their thing and we'll be performing skates and crates and life as a farmer live. Excellent. Well, I'll just remind everyone, I've been talking with Shahid and DJ Supreme. Current singles are Skates and Crates and Life as a Farmer. And they do so much more for the community through a group called Knowledge, Rhythm, and Understanding. Uh, Birmingham, you are making your city very proud. I really appreciate all you're doing there and really wish you a lot of success this coming year. Thank you, my friend. It was thank you for the excellent questions and thank you for taking the time to ask us the questions and we'll appreciate you. This has been the Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes.